0: Thank you for being here today. Welcome to our first roundtable conversation. This is called Creating Cultures of Food Safety, presented by the Local Food Safety Collaborative. My name is Katherine Kavanaugh, and I'm here today joined by my food safety team colleagues, Billy McCarthy and Haley Wood. The Local Food Safety Collaborative is a cooperative initiative established between the National Farmers Union Foundation and the FDA with the goal of providing training, education and technical assistance to local food producers to ensure good food safety practices and compliance with the Food Safety Modernization Act. National Farmers Union is a grassroots farmer-driven organization that believes strong family agriculture is the basis for driving communities and if membership includes over 200,000 family farmers and renters across America. Farmers Union's grassroots structure promotes locally initiated policy priorities and educational topics established by their members. And you can learn more about National Farmers Union at www.nfu.org. So today, our discussion revolves around creating good cultures of food safety. What do they look like and how do we get there? This is both a theme from our podcast conversations as well as a continuing need in farming communities. So today, I'm joined by three guests that helped us create our first season of the Food Safety Dish podcast. We have Anita Adalja, Laura Hawkins, and Nathan Stacey, all contributing compelling thoughts and conversations to our project. So thank you all so far, and we're excited to keep talking. So let me get started by introducing a little bit about our guests. Anita Adalja has been farming vegetables for over 13 seasons. She has worked on both nonprofit and production farms in Pennsylvania, Virginia, California, Washington, D.C., and New Mexico. Before farming, Anita studied and worked as a social worker, addiction counselor, and GED teacher in New York City. Her heart is committed to centering workers on farms through financial security, food safety, and dignity. She also believes that personal and community empowerment can be gained through food production, food sovereignty, and storytelling. Anita is the founder of the Not Our Farm Project, a nonprofit farmworker storytelling and support project that works to reimagine the future of farming as one that is workhood-centered. She is also a co-farmer at the Ashokra Farm, a a two-and-a-half-acre queer and BIPOC farm she started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She is a proud food safety nerd and facilitates food safety trainings for farmers across the state of New Mexico. She is a Produce Safety Alliance Lead Trainer, USDA HGAP Plus Auditor, and is on the food safety team at La Semilla Food Center. To Anita, food safety is much more than just washing your hands and deeply tied to worker care and well-being. Laura Hawkins, after farming for 10 years in the central Texas area, Lorig founded the Middle Ground Farm, a 30-acre farm that has been in operation since 2018 middle ground farm, grows vegetables for market, grazes animals, and maintains the property for animal and pollinator habitat. Laura holds a master's degree in agriculture education from Texas State University. In 2020, they were accepted as a food safety fellow with the National Young Farmers Coalition, which will continue to the end of 2023. This fellowship is a group of farmer peers interested in bringing the concept of food safety to their communities. And as a part of this fellowship, Lorik has attended the Produce Safety Alliance's advanced food safety training and co-taught the producer safety grower trainings. LORIG's interest in food safety is about using the knowledge we have to make our farms and communities safer places for everybody. And finally, and not least, Nathan Stacy is the director of farm programs at Tilt Alliance. And as a member of the farm program team, Nate helps develop and implement programs that support farmers, the farming community, and all others involved in organic, sustainable, and regenerative food production. The farm team aims to help local regional, and statewide producers find solutions to their problems. Nate earned a PhD in soil science from Washington State University and conducted field research that evaluated various recycled organic materials as soil amendments. He frequently creates and participates in educational programming for farmers, gardeners, and professionals, and is particularly interested in understanding and improving urban soil health. Welcome to the Roundtable, Anita, Nate, and Lorg. It's really great to see you all again. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: (laughs) Happy to be here. Yeah,
2: I'm excited to be here. Great.
0: So I think we'll just dive right into the questions that we would like to ask and start with the big but very important. What does your ideal food safety culture or community consist of?
1: Or you could go ahead. Either of you. Or I can jump right in. Whoever wants to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, Nathan, why don't you you jump? Yeah.
1: Okay. I well, I just said this when we were kind of introducing ourselves that I am definitely not a food safety professional other than learning about it as I've dealt with small farms. And so I, one of the interesting things I think about food safety is that at least with the the individuals I deal with, kind of in that five to twenty-five acre farm arena, I think it's not as well-discussed as maybe it should be as in in the case of like farmers are looking for agronomic strategies and management tactics and marketing tactics and financial help. And then at least from what I've observed, the food safety kind of comes in last. And so I think in part, what we try Mm -hmm. to do is kind of incorporate all of that into the like, a whole farm management ecosystem, which includes all those important parts. And I think Catherine and Billy I have often like had this discussion, or at least with other food safety individuals. It's in some ways, it's hard to make food safety like sexy or appealing or whatever the proper word is, but they're it's a an important component of all of farming. And I think moving towards incorporating it and making it part of the discussion is what would improve the the culture in that sense.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nathan. I think like on that point of like how you can incorporate to every aspect of your farming operation and how it already is like part and parcel of everything you're already doing is so crucial to, I guess, like making it more appealing because I think what, Often a lot of the farmers that I work with, it's more about talking about what we're already doing to protect our consumers, protect our workers, protect people on the farm, whoever's like eating this like healthy food that we're growing for them. And I think if we start there more from like, what are we already doing and how can we grow from there? I think that that's a really, to me, it feels very empowering and much more positive approach than coming from an area of like regulation or a top-down like we're the experts we're teaching how to do this um I think that's something that I've noticed in food safety culture that I would love to see shift to much more of like farmer to farmer like Laura was saying like co-creation and then in addition to that like one of the things that I really think is so crucial to food safety culture is rooting it in not you know spreading E. Coli to folks who are eating your food but more about like how are we caring for each other and this isn't just the customers who are consuming the food but what about the people who are working on the farm like I truly think like what made me really embrace the nerdiness of food safety was when I saw the link with worker care and well-being and like labor rights and there's so much intersection and we can we can talk about this but of how food safety is actually rooted in worker care and well-being, and truly caring for like everyone who participates in the operation of your farm, whether it be the people on the farm or the people consuming food from the farm. So I think thinking about it from that framework, I find like yeah, really beautiful and really a way to like holistically approach it.
2: Yeah, and kind of jumping off of that, Anita, in terms of what you're saying, looking at sort of what we already have, you know, when I kind of started with food safety um which was in the the fellowship you know a lot of my mind went back to you know the farms that i worked for you know kind of as i was learning to grow farms and then sort of you know setting up my own system and to me it really felt like sort of like the culture aspect was also a lot around just like your you know it seems so simple but it was just like so day to day um you know thinking about some of these farms that i used to work at you know whether or not it was sort of easy to Uh, you know, wash your hands, whether or not it was easy to access potable water, whether or not it was just sort of easy for us as a farm to like clean our equipment and clean our tools. Um, and, And thinking about just like when you go to farms where all of those kind of systems are easy and just accessible, and it just makes everything run so much smoother in terms of just like like what you're saying, Anita, just sort of workplace, you know, happiness, just like taking care of each other. Um, when you have, when you have a space where it just feels easy. Um, and I guess I kind of point to like that, a part of the culture, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking of, where everybody's sort of on the same page, where this kind of the things that you need to look at. Um, and this is, you know, maybe the kinds of systems that we want to set up here. So that it, yeah, it just sort of fades into the background. And that's kind of how I I think about food safety especially too like you're saying nate you know it's the last thing people think about you know in terms of things well you know yeah when it when it falls to the background and it's like an easy habit then you don't have to worry about it
3: yeah totally i think what you're saying Laura, it really speaks to me because i think one of the things that i love to talk about is how like incorporating food safety into your operations manual like if you if you have an operations manual but just like your day-to-day operations like it's once we can start seeing food safety as like it is like how you're setting up your what you're building your wash station or what the flow of that looks like or like where you're where you take lunch break like that is food safety right and it's it might be I what I've seen oftentimes is when we have these template like food safety templates or like SOP templates like they're it's keeping it separate right it's kind of like emphasizing that separate from day to day or something that's different from what we're thinking about with like finances or crop planning but honestly crop planning is food safety, right? Like what are the, our winter squash that's typically eaten cooked, right? So like that's going to impact food safety. You're thinking about water source. And like, that. so it's all like so interconnected. And I think we need to, like once we start talking about it in that way, it just becomes like this natural, like flow into the work that we're doing. So yeah, I totally hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, you know, kind of that division
2: that you're talking about in terms of like all these food safety plans and then, but then, you know, implementing it in your farm, you know, for me, I kind of had this aha moment where I was like, oh, like, my food safety plan is basically my worker training, like document, because all the information that I need to record is information that they should know and have access to. And that is part of, you know, the farm and the day to day. So when I, yeah, when I removed that barrier a little bit, and just open that document enough, it was like, oh, this makes so much more sense, and now everybody's on the same page, and sort of like that standard is set. So,
1: um, I like. Yeah. I think I need a, both of your comments about it's not a response or a result from a regulatory perspective, even though in in some ways it is. But you're, it's a maybe it's a, like a proactive way to take care of people. I think that perspective is is really important. That is, it isn't just a response to this. It's folks organizing their their farm around something that's something being taken care of the produce itself and then taking care of the employee too. So that's a, I like that perspective.
2: Yeah, I love that, Nate. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) So it seems like what we're really hoping to get towards is a more holistic view where food safety is, you know, woven into the fabric of the farm. And That can be taking care, you know, not only of the produce and of the farm itself, but also, of course, taking care of the people that are working there. This is something that we really highlighted in our conversation with Anita earlier in the year. And so my question is, you know, we have this idea of what our ideal food safety cultures would look like, but how do you think we get there? What are some methods maybe if you could talk about things that you've seen work in the past or things that you think are still totally needing to be addressed and worked on in the future.
3: I would say like part, I think we sort of touched on it earlier, but like everyone who is part of the farm operation should be taking part in food safety, whether that be the trainings, whether that be writing up the food safety plan, whether that be discussing, you know, how things are set up on the farm. I think when everyone plays a role in it, like that, one of the biggest issues I've seen, I worked on farms in many, many years. And like, these were farms that were, you know, regulated by FISMA or not, but there was so much knowledge hoarding that would happen and not necessarily that farm owners saying like, oh, I don't want to share this information with the workers, but it's that maybe they couldn't, didn't prioritize it. There's so much that needs to happen on the farm. So like the why behind some of the practices that we were doing just weren't ever told to us. Right. So like, if that's the case in the middle of August, when you're like busting ass, like I'm going to skip stuff, you know, just to finish the work I'm doing. But if I know the why behind why we're doing this, and this is actually an impactful thing on food safety or, you know, whatever could happen by skipping that, then I'm going to be less likely to do that. So I think like when everyone's taking part in and understanding and being like empowered to, yeah, be part of this operation, including the food safety of it. I think that just makes the culture much stronger. That makes, you know, like learning and co-creation and learning from each other. And like, I'm all about like dismantling hierarchy and operations. And I think like including everyone in that process is a big part of that. So I would think that's a great way to start.
2: Yeah, and when I kind of think about this and just um, about farms maybe that I've been on who maybe exemplified this, you know, I, I again, kind of go back down to just systems in place. I've worked on all kinds of different farms and, you know, myself, I'm qualified exempt and a lot of the farms that I work with are qualified exempt. So I see a lot of times that there are lots of different kinds of people coming through these spaces, whether that be volunteers or workers. And anytime you step onto a farm where, you know, if even if you're new, you kind of have a sense of you know, what goes where. And you, you also have a sense of um, like, there's, there's instructions about like there's signs, there's uh, protocols, um, there's a routine at the start of the day. And I really think that a lot of those things are sort of like the backbone of that culture um, of food safety culture too. just creating that embedded, organized nature that just helps your farm run smoothly. So you can implement these things. So, yeah, when I when I think of good food safety culture, it really is just like you walk onto this farm, you kind of see where everything is, you know where to go, you know who to ask, um, and you can follow behind what other people are doing there as like an example.
1: I, I like the point that Anita brought up about the sharing of the knowledge. So we did, the organization I work with, did a, a one afternoon or one evening series where three farmers videoed their wash pack. Process uh, and food safety and then all came together showed the video and then we just had conversations around it and I think that is the type of culture that you want where everyone's it's not like accusatory or anything. We're just sharing how we do this. And lots of discussions focused around, oh, we never thought about that. That's a great idea. Or where did you get that device? Or how did you rig that up? Almost like a farmer hack kind of thing around the wash pack. And so I think that's kind of like a fundamental thing is, is however you can create those opportunities to share that information like no one, there's never a bad thing out of that. Everyone benefits from that. So
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when you share, people get to ask why is also. Um, and then back to Anita's point, once you have that that why, um, it really helps inform uh your practices. Yeah.
3: Yeah, totally. And like kind of going back to what we were saying before about how food safety at least the way that I learned about food safety like years ago is like rooted in regulation and rooted in kind of this like what you're doing wrong or what you need to change or like the intimidation factor. And I think like what you were saying, Nathan, about like having this like safe space to be able to talk about your practices, not be like, oh, I'm scared to like show what my wash pack looks like because like I'm going to be judged. That's a huge thing that we face, like that we have to like unlearn and also like work with growers in our communities about that, because that is the history of food safety is like very carceral in a lot of ways. Like you're gonna have an inspector come, like even the language around it, assessments, inspections, risk, like there's, it's scary words, death, like outbreaks, all of that stuff. And the work that we do here in New Mexico with La Semilla and like the trainings around the state, um, it is really trying to root it in like farmer to farmer knowledge and like sharing and learning from each other. And that, so for example, at La Semilla we do, food safety farm walks. And it's not about inspections. It's literally, we go there and we say, this is not an inspection. This is the farthest thing from an inspection. This is about how we can like learn what you're doing, learn your food safety farm hacks, how we could support you as like, you know, a center that's supporting growers and like with resources and things like that. And I think coming at it like that just makes, and building that trust is that I think is a huge component of it and can be really helpful. And then one last thing I want to say is that I love food safety farm hacks. I love learning from other growers. And that's like one of the coolest things about food safety is that like pretty much anything you're doing on the farm, you can probably keep doing. There's a way to like keep doing it that is like food safe. And I think learning those and sharing those feels like this kind of like, I don't know, um, rogue way of like doing food safety, like I love talking about like how you can use different types of water sources, how you can use rainwater catchment in a way that's food safe. You know, I feel like things like that are really, really important that we should be sharing as farmers with each other and not coming at it. So fear-based.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. There's not like one way to do something um, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing
0: these really great insights. So I'm wondering when you think, you know, of a really good farm that has great food safety practices, what are some of the top examples that come to mind? This could be either on farm or even cross farm. You know, we're talking about sharing ideas between farms, but I'm also curious how food safety extends off farm. And if you've also seen good examples of food safety off the farm as well.
3: I can jump in here. Sorry, I don't want to like I get so excited about food safety sometimes. That I like Love that. <laughs> but I will say, like something I saw that was like very cool, even just yesterday with a grower that I visited up north in New Mexico, is again like farm hacks. Like this is a farm that's working with youth, so like high school youth, and really trying to teach like cultural ways of growing here in New Mexico using a sequia ditch flooding, like flood irrigation, and how can we do this in a safe way and like uh, growing being able to, like, they were, like, walking me through the process of, you know, like, burning up this certain area so that it was, that was what was flooded with surface water, and those were, you know, where corn, beans, and squash were grown, like, and teaching the youth, like, this is, food, like, the, we can grow this way, but we need to talk about, like, this is produce that we need to tell our customers that they need to cook it, and, like, having that whole educational component of, like, So what's happening at this farm is that they're growing, they have like an area of traditional growing and then they have drip irrigation from a well for other produce, but they're teaching the youth about how to talk to the customers who are purchasing this to keep themselves safe, but still preserve, you know, their culture and like have this educational component. And it was just like such a beautiful, like melding of like, agriculture growing education and food safety and having it all incorporated in this way and again like a farm a food safety hack of like how can we use both surface water and well water and do it in a safe way and I thought that was super cool so I think like yeah that's when I see that it's like really exciting when especially when I see like farms talking with the youth and teaching youth about food safety in really cool ways. So
2: much good stuff there Anita. Nate, do you have any? Uh, do you have any?
1: <laughs> well, I sure. I I mean, I am not a farmer, but so we like you know it's observational because I see the processes, and then we talk to the farmers, of course, directly. And admitting my bias, I, my background is in soil science, so I like one. I like spreadsheets, and yeah. I like systems. So I like the ones where, you know, the record keeping is part of the process of experimentation of like this worked and this, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And we wrote that down and then we talked to everyone about why it didn't work. And then we know it didn't work and then we try something else. So in that sense, I like that organization. I know that's not always um, feasible, but to me that, like I I find that appealing and, and that's just a probably more of a personal thing. It doesn't mean you have to be that way, but I don't know, I like that but try and write it down, think it through the process.
2: Yeah. And I've seen lots of farms who are really good at sort of like that record keeping aspect and kind of writing down what happens. And then I see farms you know, who maybe aren't as strong in that area, but still are able to like create these good systems and kind of going back to what we were talking earlier, like when you have, a point where you can reflect back on, like, what's working and what isn't. Um, again, it's, like, engaging people again and what your food safety culture practices are and just another sort of point where you get to, like, discuss the why. You know, that to me is, is um, I would I would think, like, just a good example of that culture.
3: Yeah, another example that came up for me just now, too, is there is a farm that I... I work with that they have like a crew of maybe five to seven people and they have a calendar posted in their greenhouse and every I think it's like every week every few weeks one of the people who works there will put like a topic that they'll discuss and they just like talk about it for like 15 minutes on a Monday at the morning meeting and it might be something on like what are the animals entering the field and it's all food safety related so it's like a way to kind of keep it in as an ongoing conversation and part of the routine of the farm which I thought was really cool too I think like, yeah, a huge piece is just like making the time to like, and prioritizing food safety. And so that folks feel like comfortable, take stopping and going slower, right? Paying more attention. Like when we talk about like a pre-harvest risk assessment or, you know, that kind of thing is just literally taking your time, paying attention, looking at things and having the like ability to do that and feel like empowered to do that on the farm. So anything that farms are doing to practice that and like model that is awesome. I would even say like a farm owner, taking a lunch break is like an excellent way to like create food safety culture, right? Like taking your peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of the field, sitting down, eating it, washing your hands, going to the bathroom, taking care of yourself or calling in sick modeling. That is like food safety culture, right? Like, so I think like even simple things like that are like, when I see that happening on farms, I'm like, way to go. That's awesome. Like that's a really cool step in the right direction and modeling that for other people at our farm
2: uh, during the season, you know, kind of when we're in our like high points, um, you know, we're going through lots of crates, we're going through this. And so I kind of had like a, you know, a clean day where at the end of the day, um, we would just go through once a week and clean everything. And I kind of thought at first that people wouldn't be into it. And then turns out like it was one of the highlights of the week because like they could go a little slower, they could crank up the music usually we ended a little earlier to make sure that we like did that step. Um, so it ended up kind of being like this fun thing and sort of like this moment where we were all in the same space at the same time because we were all taking part of this cleaning. So yeah, it's like stuff like that that makes it feel really fun and less like work, I guess. I'm I'm going to hop in here and before I ask the next question,
4: I'll share an example. Just reflecting on what you guys just said, you know, there's a local farm here in Northern Maryland that has a really fantastic food safety uh, plan and setup. And it took them like six years to get there because they had to wait and spend time to save money and invest in the infrastructure when they could. And they had a great communication with their team and with, you know, the other farmers and their customers, like this is where we're heading, but we can't be there right now. And, you know, knowing that you're not going to be able to implement everything all at once and keeping people with you on that journey and and then eventually getting to what might be your ideal, you know, facility or infrastructure. The the next question that we wanted to ask was,
2: you know, what we've learned from either a success or a failure or just a struggle or a challenge in, in regards to
4: fostering these cultures of food safety and, you know, I'll share a, a failure from my farm just to kind of kick it off because it's something that I've reflected on as we've been having these conversations and I've gotten more involved in in learning and being proactive about food safety, which is really that key crucial part of like including everyone in, in food safety. If you have a plan and you're keeping it in the office and no one else knows that you have a plan, then you don't really have a plan. And I know that for my wife and I running the farm, You know, like you said, Anita, you know, even just having time to take a break and like model the behavior that, yeah, we're going to go wash our hands, we're going to separate one activity from the other in the field or in the washing and packing house. And that's something that we've had to learn and kind of retrain ourselves to make sure that the food safety aspect of it is an inclusive. And kind of broad spectrum approach on our farm, so that's something that we kind of have fits and starts with as we worked on on improving our operation. And I'm wondering if if you all have any examples that you could share of a successor or a challenge in um, creating that kind of community of, of food
2: safety. Thanks, Willie. Yeah. I'm- the challenge for me always was a little bit of like the the tracing and the record keeping, um, just kind of putting in enough sort of levels of or points of contact, I guess I could say, where we could like track all of that. Into kind of what you were talking about earlier, I mean, it took us you know years to sort of like really get that down, um, and you know there were you know that first season like. You know, it was very difficult for us to kind of go back and do like a trace or sort of like look at our records. And so, you know, we would just kind of keep at it and keep tweaking things and, you know, keep testing ourselves. But yeah, for for us, like that, that failure was definitely kind of on the record keeping side. But, but, you know, we've gotten there. So. I
3: can say that a challenge that I've seen and I've experienced is like when you have like an established you have your routines established on the farm and you have like your crew and everyone's doing everything and then how do you incorporate food safety if it's not already there, there are there specific things you need to add in like it feels I don't know when you're like telling someone like yeah like start like a sanitation schedule, of washing your bins like it feels like such a heavy lift in the middle of the season be like okay I have to like somehow it's almost like we have to create new like neural pathways to so be like how do we like fit in like washing and sanitizing this before we do this and so it feels that feels challenging and I've, I've seen my myself I've, I've struggled with that and other people that I've like worked with along this is like how do you incorporate it as you're going it's like if you're like jump someone's like didn't jump rope and you have to figure out when to jump inside and it's like it's tricky um, and I think like giving ourselves like that ease and that grace and like taking the time to do it and like like you were saying, Billy, like being honest with your crew, yourself, your customers of like, we're not there yet. We're getting there. And I think that that's been like really, really crucial. And I would say like, kind of like jumping off of that in like a larger scale in New Mexico, we do a lot of farm to institution procurement and we work like we have um, really amazing food hubs here. And part of that is like, we have a lot of communication with the customers. We build a lot of trust with the customers that we're like our farms are selling to about food safety. Like some of the food hubs will be gap certified in post-harvest handling. And then there'll be a conversation with these larger institutional customers. Well, this is how we work with the farmers to with their food safety practices. So I think like having communication is also huge. And I've seen that as a really great success in understanding the different tiers of food safety so that everyone does like is on the same page and understands yeah, like what's happening. So I think those two things for me are both like challenges and also successes around food safety. This is the last thing I'll say. I think it. one thing that has been a challenge that I've seen is that like some, a lot of the food safety trainings, at least like now it's changing, right? And I think like in, in New Mexico, we've worked really hard about making these food safety trainings very relevant to growers who aren't subject to the food, like to produce safety rule, who are like smaller scale farmers, like specifically here in New Mexico, when we say small scale, we're talking a quarter of an acre, you know, to like two acres, a large scale farm might be like six, seven, 15 acres. So, and it's like, and the high 80% of farmers here have a second job to supplement their income. So like, how do we talk about food safety and train on food safety for people who maybe don't have employees or aren't going to like have to have these like documents? And like, how do we talk about how that is best practices and how to incorporate that in your operation if you aren't, you know, like there. So that's been interesting. And a lot of the trainings that we've seen have been like assuming, have this assumed knowledge of like scale or employees or, you know, certain things like that. So I think that's been interesting. Like even traceability, like Laura was saying, what if you only have one field and one bed? You know, like, who knows? Like, so that kind of stuff. It's like, how do we talk about it that way and like scale it down and be like, this is actually for everyone, no matter the scale, the size, urban, rural, you know, so I think that's a big, that's been a big challenge. And I think, yeah, so that's something that comes up. Well,
4: honestly, I think that kind of saves us nicely into the next set of questions that we wanted to ask. And I'm gonna kind of glide them together into one thing. Um, something that I've been reflecting a and that we've seen come up in, the, in these conversations is how the approach to food safety has changed with, the COVID pandemic and just a, a focus on public health in a new way in the last three years, let's say. And so it's kind of a dual question. How have you guys seen it change in the last couple of years? And what do we think is coming up in the future of food safety and how we talk about it? And I think that is definitely one direction that it's heading, which is food safety is kind of for everyone. And, and I'll say that for our farm, I think that, you know, COVID and the evolving nature of food safety and public health and how it relates to farming has become really apparent for us and the team that works on the farm with us it made it a lot easier to explain to ourselves and to understand that like you know the simple act of washing hands is really an act of you know care and consideration for the broader community or wearing a mask in public um, and i think that's a you know can be a charged conversation sometimes but Rooting it in, like, I'm doing this to take care of myself and take care of others is, is a really powerful way to bring it down to just the, the core level of what food safety is about, which is keeping each other healthy. So any thoughts on how food safety has been evolving recently or what things we might want to be thinking about as we try to build these cultures and reach out to our communities uh, in the future?
1: I have one comment. Again, this is going to be like from the soil perspective, sorry. I'm going to just I won't geek out too much. But so in in some of that like in the soil conversations that people are having now about soil health and if you're paying attention to any of that, one of the interesting things that I think that's evolving out of that is that it's to make things simple, we kind of s- segregate things, right? Or we we divide them up. But really it's all interactive. And so You know, if you talk about the soil, and then you talk about the that microbiome, and you talk about the food, and then you talk about the individual's health, like we we break it up so that we can understand it. But it's all one thing. And so I think with to to answer your question, Billy, I think with COVID, it made it way more apparent, at least from my perspective, that one, it's critical to think about all of that. Kind of what uh, uh, Anita has talked about earlier, like the whole system but also how like how easy it is for it to become imbalanced and then the result of that can be really terrible. And so just thinking about the whole system and all the pieces while we while we we divide them up to understand them, it's always helpful to come back to why we're doing it, maybe to your point, Billy, about the community of the farmer is part of the community and the food safety is part of the community the community at large. And I think that seems more obvious now.
2: Yeah, I would say too, like with COVID almost, you know, it brought a lot of these kind of just like basic principles, just kind of like to the forefront. I mean, the first comes to mind is like the hand-washing um, just kind of like a giant reminder for everybody, how important that can be. Um, but also, you know, kind of the, at least for me too, the sort of taking care of your workers aspects of that, you know, really, I felt like COVID really sort of brought to the front this sort of idea of sick leave. And like, you know, you, you should have sort of like, you know, an out sort of for your people if people get sick, because we you don't want uh, people who are ill around food. Um, so it almost like kind of help the cause I felt like a little bit um, to just normalize a lot of the things that, um, you know, are, are just good practices. Um, and and uh, yeah, just, yeah. So weirdly it, it kind of seemed like a boost to, to sort of just, you know, needing to include certain, certain things to keep everybody safe in your workspace and then people who are interacting with your food as well.
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that and what Nathan said earlier too. I think what I've also seen with COVID, a couple of things. One is like mutual aid and food distribution that's happening, right? And these like emergency food distros or like, you know, having these maps of where's fruit, like with when we've seen like supply chain and like lack of food and people really needing access to it. So these are, these are incredible, like things that have popped up and are like happening How does food safety fit in with mutual aid? And how does food safety fit in with like food is free? And like, how are we making sure that we have food, these distribution sites, but also that it is like safe food? I think about that a lot too with like cleaning efforts and things like that. But I do think that that was something that has has been coming up with food safety since COVID for me. And I think it's a really interesting and powerful topic to explore. And the other thing that I've noticed is that so many young people, and not just young people, are coming into farming, right? Like, I know, especially like here in Albuquerque, there's like a, and I know it's a nationwide thing. There's so many people in their early twenties who like live, you know, their last, it's like the last few years in COVID. And like, you know, this is like, I hear a lot about apocalypse skills, training, climate chaos, things like that. And they're like entering farming for different reasons than maybe I did 15 years ago. And- a lot of these folks are dealing with like land access issues, farming on smaller plots. Like how is, how is land access and food safety intersect? It's huge, right? Like if you don't have like stable land, what does that look like for what you're building on infrastructures and like wash packs and things like that, or who's entering your farm? So I think there's so many other kind of issues that are, or topics that are coming up because of new people coming into farming. Um, And also farming, like I said earlier on smaller plots and in urban areas, like I think that's, coming to light and impacting food safety as well, when we think about it that way. And then lastly, sanitizer, right? Like sanitizer is like so talked about with COVID and like as is precaution. And I mean, that sanitizer was talked about in food safety before COVID, but now we're talking about it even more. Like sanitizer is not a replacement for hand washing, just stealing that gunk in your hands, you know? So like talking about that too and like what sanitizer's role is with COVID and with food safety. But yeah, so those are the things I've been seeing it's a very ripe time for food safety for sure
4: okay I really appreciate all those perspectives and and Nate I wanted to thank you for bringing up the the soil health aspect of it because it really is you know just as you were saying Anita and and what we're hearing in this conversation is the intersectionality and kind of overlapping uh aspects of of farming and community that you know, food safety touches a lot of that. And and really, I think the approach that we're trying to take
5: as the food safety team at, at Farmers Union, and, you know, the way that broader uh, Farmers Union in general is that it's a holistic approach to the, you know,
4: well-being of farmers, of, you know, the communities that we're feeding, of the ecosystem, you know, climate change has come up a bunch of times, and I think that's definitely a big marker that we need to be thinking about. In the future, I do want to invite everyone. We're going to probably transition to
2: uh, question and answer. So if you want to start dropping uh, any comments
4: or questions that you had in the chat or raise your hand, Catherine and I will try to facilitate, you know, leaving some time for discussion and to kind of wrap up the, the thought
3: that I was having, I just think that uh, bringing it back to, I think
4: Nate, you said at the beginning, you know, oftentimes food safety isn't uh, necessarily a sexy topic. Or the one that everyone's excited to to learn about but as we try to take things out of their little silos uh you know uh, farm business planning is over here and uh you know farm management and crop planning is over here and food safety is this other you know bin, or, or you know soil health and ecosystem health um we've got to have a holistic approach and that uh does make it a bigger phonier issue but it also invites that time to kind of breathe and think about it and start working on these long-term cultures and yeah i wanted to also flag idea the the notion of more people coming into farming and more people having contact with the food system and the people that are growing their food more often we certainly saw that in, in our area of maryland 2020 onwards so, so many people got more engage with the oh, wait a second you know the grocery store might not be the most reliable or safest place for me to go right now where else can i get my food from um and i don't think that that's you know necessarily dropped off in the past couple of years i think it's an evolving situation and you know food safety is going to continue to play a role in that because there's more and more direct relationship and close contact between local food growers and the people that are eating food so with all those
2: reflections, um, I guess Catherine and I will turn it back over. Any uh, questions from the crowd or anything else
4: that we wanted to cover before we head into the last little bit of this
0: roundtable? I'll start by giving a comment or maybe a reflection of what some of the the last couple things we were talking about were. But it really makes me think that food safety is certainly, and, and I think it goes both ways, but a mirror of public health. Like Public health is a mirror of food safety and the cultures that we have on these farms, like how we are treating, you know, the workers, how we're treating the ecology and like thinking what Nate was saying, like everything is this interactive play of components. It is it's it is kind of so reductive to just think, oh, food safety is just this thing that we think about sometimes, but instead, if we are kind of going to transform these cultures, if we have more consideration for health throughout the whole process of food, I think that public health will be better and stronger, and also farm health will be stronger, and, you know, all of the people that are a part of the system, so that's one of my takeaways, and if anyone else would like to take some time to respond, feel free to take yourself off of mute and you can, you can ask your question or have a response, or if you feel more comfortable, you can write, um, in the chat and I can ask a question for you, but yes, we'd love to open up for some discussion Q and A right now.
4: Mm, Seeing no one jump in. In that case, um, you know, the other area that we wanted to cover was a little bit of a wild card around, um, you know, any thing that we didn't cover, anything that's like super interesting or kind of out of left field coming up in food safety, you know, some thoughts that crossed my mind um, are talking about the intersection of, you know, persistent environmental chemicals and food safety. Um, we've heard a lot from some of our
2: know communities and stakeholders that we work with that that's a a major concern um we
4: know that food traceability and there's going to be a new rule in a few years um under the under the produce safety rule um might be a big issue Um, anything else that you might see is again kind of something we haven't discussed or uh just a particular interest in food safety for any of y'all
0: we also do have a question about any specific approach recommended for traceability. So, if you Billy mentioned oh, traceability maybe. just now, so uh, maybe we can start on that and then move uh, into some other ideas as well. If you have any good ideas on that, and I know FDA is still coming out with their uh, final recommendations, so I think that is a stay tuned kind of thing as well. Yeah,
2: definitely. Um, I'll just say something since I kind of brought it up earlier I, th- I think with the traceability for us it was really just kind of practicing it um, so thinking about you know retracing like those steps and then kind of just like going from there um, so you know uh, um, just so we could kind of see along that way like what we were missing because um, it's kind of hard to figure out what to record when you don't really know like how it fits into the process, I guess. So if you can just kind of practice yourself a couple times throughout the season, um, you know, you'll know, you be able to sort of like see those points that make sense for you and where to keep track of things. I can answer that a little bit as well, and then I'll turn it over to you, Anita. I saw you came off with of me. Um, I think it,
4: it, it's kind of like you're saying, Laurie, for me, it's and for our farm, it's it's really about um establishing like a habit. Um you know once you say in the off season or when you have some time before you're in the middle of august and everyone's hot and exhausted um setting up the you know system that you want to use whatever that traceability looks like for you you know on our farm we're small enough that we can get down to you know it was harvested out of the front half of bed number 13 on this date at this time but really it's about the fact that everyone in our farm knows that you know you log
2: these you know three steps of what was done uh during the harvest and it always happens um, you know at this particular
4: time during the harvest flow and then we know that we've got you know a pretty reliable record after that so it's really about designing the system that works for your farm and then building the habit with yourself and your team to to stick to that
3: Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add to the great stuff y'all just said. I it, Just one thing that I like think has been really helpful, I mean, really emphasizing what you said, Billy, it has to just make sense for you. Like you need to, it's your own language, you're kind of creating your own language, right? Between yourself and everyone on your farm. Like customers don't need to know what it means, right? It needs, it needs to be like something that you can like interpret. Um, so I think that's the biggest key that it has to work for you. And then also like that could look a lot of different ways, right? Um, I, I've i seen like farms that have, like they'll write their harvest list for the day and have everyone like sign up or initial next to like what they're gonna harvest. Take a photo of that, you know, and use that in your traceability. Take, or I saw another farm that had like really cool, like this huge farm map, right? I love farm maps. I think that helps so much with traceability. It helps you and like people on your farm to be able to like visualize where everything is. And I've seen farms that have, like literally writ, have drawn their beds and like wrote, wrote what's in what and it's as a way for like workers or people on the farm to know where they're harvesting from where but it's also it's part of traceability and it helps um create that culture of like how you map out your farm and know what's coming from where so i think like having different like ways to make it part of your day to day is really helpful too
2: yeah and kind of just as like just examples that got me thinking and you know you know I've seen traceability where it's you know harvest sheets to pack sheets to delivery sheets, uh, but then I've also seen like traceability programs where it's just a map and people circle you know where they were and write in you know what they did that day, or I've seen traceability systems that are all pictures, like you said, taking pictures of things and putting that somewhere. So again, yeah, it goes back to just this idea: of what works for you. And then just sort of like practicing that to see like how it's best for you to make that all a habit.
0: I think we have time for maybe one, maybe two questions. Um, This is a good question. Um, So we educate and train producers on food safety. Is there merit in giving more thought to educating the consumer about our work in the food safety space? What do you all think about that?
1: Oh, I have an opinion on that. I think it's absolutely critical. I, I think we have, the food system has been, I mean, there's lots of problems. there I'm not glossing over all the problems in the food system, but it's been so effective that you can just go to the store and get whatever you want out of season, besides inflation and all these access problems, relatively cheap. But we have really done a bad job in general, and, and not pointing fingers at anyone, about Educating the consumer on how much work that is, what the farmer is doing, and that includes the food safety side. I think just in general, there should be like an education series on uh, how much energy goes into a per tomato or however you broke it down. I think there's a lot of creative ways to do that. And it should be, it should have that food safety component incorporated into it just to show how many components go into it and that it, you know, the, the food itself touches so many different things. So I I agree with that 100 percent
5: Catherine and Billy, if I could just interject that that was my question. Thank you, Nathan. What I'm really getting at is: Should we be thinking about this particular program, this particular FDA funding, uh, this particular exercise that we're doing? Uh, not just in general educating the consumer, but this actual program. Is there room in this program? If if the producers actually think that this is a good thing, then is there room in this program to use these resources to educate the consumer? In particular, thinking about the educating those consumers. Who utilize the producers that are benefiting from this program? And so, is there a flyer? I'll get down to the specifics. Is there a flyer we can produce that these guys can hand out, and they can? Is there a, 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 a sign they can hang on their farm? You know, what can they do to benefit? What can we do to educate the consumer that this is going on? This is critical. This is necessary. This is being done, and you're benefiting. The consumer is benefiting from every day, every time they eat. That the producer is doing this, but is not aware perhaps to any great extent, that the producer is actually going through that? How can we use this program to to bring those two closer together, to actually recognizing who's involved, who's doing it, who's concerned, who's giving thought? Listen to what you just talked about the last hour, how concerned you are for your consumer. How aware is that consumer that you're even that concerned and thinking about that? Can we use this program? Can we use these resources to do that? And so it's really me talking to Catherine and Billy, if you don't mind me talking over your space. Well, can we use, it when you come out to us, who are, are some of your subawardees on these things, can we do that? Is there some way that we can use these funds to begin to bring the consumer closer to what we're actually doing? And when we do that, and one of the reasons I'm mentioning is I hate to take up so much of your time, but one of the reasons I mentioned is because I don't believe this is mandatory. I don't believe this uh, food safety training is mandatory. So what benefit can we bring to the producer for going through this outside of it being mandatory since it is not mandatory? So that's the other thing I'm trying to get at is how do you bring producers in to do this? There isn't mandatory, right? And so the ultimate answer is an incentive. And so that's what I'm talking about here. How can we incentivize producers to do what all of you who have been doing this has come to know to be a great benefit to your operation? So that's really what I'm getting at in that question.
4: Absolutely. And the short answer is yes. And, um, I can speak for, you know, the food safety team at national pharmacy and then to all of our partners across the country, some of whom are on this call and thanks for being here. And, um, that yes, we absolutely can use the funds to do stuff like that. And I want to, um, I think it is a question of, you know, we're talking about a lot of, um, you know, concepts and some of the broader, approaches to, to food safety but it has to also be uh you know an actual commitment to that work and putting our money where our mouth is in a way and so yeah we should definitely explore the ways to do that producing uh flyers or other promotional materials that explain the work that farmers have gone through i'll give one quick example um this is a previous year's endeavor And I think it needs even more thought and engagement than the example I'll give, but it's a starting point. Uh, One of our partners in a food safety project did um, basically like a matchmaking program where the farmers came and did a food safety training in the morning and then in the afternoon, the um, extension office had put together a bunch of institutional buyers like schools and hospitals that required some form of food safety certification, even if the farm was qualified exempt from uh, the Produce safety rule, maybe it was a gap certification or even just having a food safety audit and seeing the benefit of like, okay, well, if I go through this, uh, training program here are the, you know, 10, 12 buyers in my state who will appreciate that. I think there's other ways to do it more on a community level through CSAs, farmers markets, other kind of direct to consumer models. And we need to think through some of that, uh, but we definitely need to do that kind of work. You know, I really love all the points that are being made about you know not obscuring the food system from the people that are eating the food and i think that's a way to show the the care and concern that the majority of farmers uh, put into their growing practices and their efforts and we want to see more of and yeah there needs to be incentives for that so it's definitely something that we'll keep thinking about through the uh, through the course of, of running this program I'm seeing a bunch more questions in the chat, and I do want to be mindful of everyone's time, because we had scheduled an hour. I think what we might want to do is, uh, and I'll defer to Catherine on this, but is to follow up on some of these questions, because they might actually be a great topic for a future. Um, we're going to be hosting a Lunch and Learn series throughout the fall and winter of this year another you know short like 30 40 minute uh zoom calls that we'll also record put on our youtube or uh we're launching season two of the podcast so i think we might take these questions down and come back to you we really appreciate everyone's participation but i think in the interest of of time i'll pass it back over to katherine to wrap us up unless Catherine you had anything else you wanted to cover
0: you totally got it billy Yes, these are great questions. We'll definitely take them down and also feel free to contact us uh, with, you know, your list of ongoing questions. We are here to be a resource to your communities and we want to tailor our deliverables to fit your needs and answer all the questions that you may have. But with that in mind, thank you so much to our guests for joining us today. It was really lovely to hear everything you had to say and I hope to continue this conversation in different forms throughout this next year and beyond as well. So...
4: Yeah, really appreciate everyone attending, and uh, Anita, Lori, and Nathan, thanks so much for joining for us and offering your thoughts.
3: Thank you all for having us. It's a great conversation.
4: Everyone have a great day, and we'll be posting this and getting further food safety resources out to you as the year goes on.
0: Be sure to check out our guests today. Their websites, not our farm, Tilt Alliance, Middle Ground Farm. Follow them online, social media, if you would like to. And also thank you to our audience for for being here today. I appreciate your presence and also your participation. A couple more things to keep in mind. Season two of the Food Safety Dish is on the horizon, so stay tuned. We're going to be producing new episodes and publishing those come around the beginning of next year, so early 2024. If you also have any ideas or topics that you would like us to cover, feel free to let us know. I'll drop my email in the chat just in case anybody wants to email me directly with any ideas. So you can email me or anyone else on the food safety team, and then... If you are interested in learning more about NFU and the work that we do, you can also check out our website at www.nfu.org. And finally, thank you to our sponsor. This podcast is supported by the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a part of a financial assistance award to U01FD0069. 1-03 totaling one million dollars with one hundred percent funding by FDA HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by FDA HHS or the US government. That's all I have. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to our guests and hope to see you all again sometime soon. Hopefully at our next lunch and learn. So with that in mind, take care everybody. Catch you later. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Bye bye.
2: Thanks, everybody.